This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top 25 Under 25. And hopefully from now on, we're going to do individual podcasts for the rest of the list. And we are at number 16, and it is our own Logan Mayo who is at that spot we are joined today but by Matt Mania, of course. Matt, thank you for joining us. Of course. Well, what else am I going to do on a fine Tuesday? Yeah, well, sun is shining and so are we. Uh, we're also joined by my old boss at McKean Saki, Brock Otten. Thank you, Brock. Always a pleasure hey, to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you were, as I mentioned just before we started recording, you were very people were very happy with your comments about Mayu in in the draft pod we did. So it became a natural thing for you, uh, or to invite you into the the full pod with Logan Mayu, especially since since you're also in OHL scout for for McKean's. Mm. There there is a lot to say about Mayu, and and let's start with the rankings, uh, Matt. He has votes from number three to 53. I think the 53 one and the three one <laughs> can sort of, you know, be dealt with it both at one point or another. Uh, but the 10th ranking for 10 spawn is the most common in the community. Uh, he has a very similar histogram um, compared to the player we just had spoke about yesterday, uh, Arbor Shekai. And the fact is also that Logan and Arbor are have very similar rankings uh, looking at the the average score is 15.5 and 15.6 more or less when you when you combine the rankings they're on the plateau uh, the next higher up is at 14 evens and the number down is 19.3 so they have a their own plateau they're also to a certain extent very similar players they they physical players um Obviously, Mayu has a fantastic shot as well. But Brock, what can you tell us about Logan Mayu in this year? That was a really good year in OHL for him. I think you kind of have to break it down in, in two different sections, right? I think offensively, um, definitely a step forward for Mayu. He's he's such a skilled defender. He's somebody who consistently makes plays to advance offensive opportunities for for London and that's going to be his calling card at the NHL level at the pro level as well right that skill with that size and ability to protect the puck it makes him a very dangerous offensive player be it in transition be it as a, a power play quarterback he has that big cannon of a shot as well um he is somebody who is at his best when he is aggressive offensively uh defensively I, I think it's all about his physicality, right? It's, it's his ability to apply himself physically, ability to use that size um, to be, again, uh, aggressive, right? And the more confident he gets in doing that, 
the better that he's going to be in the defensive end because he needs to be sort of that suffocating presence in that zone in order to be extremely effective. The minute that he isn't aggressive and he becomes more reliant on, say, stick checking, using his mobility, being a little bit more passive in the defensive end, that's when we start to see some of those issues because um, I don't know if he has a, a terrific head for the game in the defensive end. I think that we've seen progress, but I think it's still an area that's going to be the most uh, – it's going to be the area that needs the most improve when he hits the pro level. And I think that's that's going to be exposed a little bit. I think there's going to be some growing pains, but um, at the end of the day, the upside is extremely high. He's still a raw defender whose development – was somewhat interrupted, albeit by his own doing, but definitely interrupted. And that still makes him a very raw player who I think is is still very much learning. He was obviously uh, 10th in, in points among defenders in the OHL this year. Uh, Mitnikurov was was uh, obviously the first one, but Mayu stood out with his goal-scoring ability. Uh, that monster of a shot obviously being uh, the reason for it. And I would not having watched many as many games as you two have, both Max and, and Brock, uh, I would assume his uh, assists mostly came on, on shots and that was uh, rebounds or deflections. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. I would say a good portion of his offense is, is generated from his shot, his ability to sort of sneak back door, sneak up on the play. Um, I think that's definitely hitting the nail on the head. Uh, I think he makes a lot of great plays in the neutral zone as well to advance play. Um, he's got that long reach. Uh, is able to break plays up and get play moving up the other way. And um, a lot of those sort of secondary assists will come from from plays made in the neutral zone or, or high in the defensive zone where he's making quick passes up ice. Um, he, he can carry and he can be a very effective player in transition that way. But I would say the majority of his offense does come from being already set up in the offensive zone. He he goes on some of those hero skates, right? And I think the the one thing that I liked about his game this year is that he seemed a little bit more reserved, a little bit more willing to make some of those shorter outlet passes in order to get out of his zone. But he still has that tendency sometimes to over-rely on his skating, which he, he is a very accomplished skater. Um, you know, he gets up to speed in about two strides. He's at full tilt. And he had a goal against Oshawa uh, last year where he picked up the puck in his own zone and he looked like he was kind of just meandering around his own zone. And then all of a sudden he turns the Jets on fakes a drop pass at his own blue line, cuts through everybody on the other team, and then goes in and scores. So he's capable of going end-to-end -end like that. But I think at times he has a tendency to think that he can always do that. And he he might be a little bit more capable of doing that in junior than he's going to be at the pro level. I think, you know, I, uh, the best thing for him is probably an opportunity in Laval this year so that he can find out that, you know, that's not always the best option. But sometimes you need to be effective with those short outlet passes. Uh, and play off of your teammates a little bit so that you can get to an area where your number one strength is available, which is that shot, right? I, I think I can count on my hand. I can count on one hand how many Habs players I've seen that shoot the puck as well as he does. I'd put Sheldon Sorry up there, Shea Weber, obviously, maybe P.K. Subban. And I think Mayu shoots better than P.K. Subban does uh, in terms of velocity and in terms of uh, the, the quick release. I've seen him take goaltenders down with a snapshot from the point. So uh, he can really shoot it. And the, the key is how does he put it together where he can get the puck from his defensive zone where he's a little bit weaker into that offensive zone. And as Brock mentioned, you know, tighten up a little bit on defense and become that suffocating presence. He can hit, 
The problem is he uh, he chases some hits that he probably shouldn't at times, puts himself out of position, and then he's not uh, necessarily quick enough to get back into where he needs to be and, and defend. So there's a lot to like. There's still there's still a lot to work on as well. And I think probably the AHL is the best place for him to do that. Looking at it, uh, I, I come back to this quote from, from Roger Runberg from time to time uh, when he spoke about Matthias Norlander needing to know how to play poker, when to fold, when to go all in, actually having that mindset to to analyze the situation before. And it seems to be something that Mayo struggles with, to analyze at that high speed. Uh, I would have, to be honest, I would have expected more from a, a junior player in his last year of junior eligibility. Uh, obviously, he's been out for, for a long while, and, and that hampers his uh, trajectory a little bit. But um, can he achieve that at pro level or shouldn't he really have learned that by now, Brock? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, and I think it just depends on the development team that you surround somebody with, right? And I, it also depends on the attitude of, of said player, right? And the mindset that they have going into the pro level. And I think that's what separates those project type of players who have that raw ability I'll throw out a name like Keanu Miller, right? When he was drafted, it was it was a very raw skill set. He, he had athleticism. He showed flashes of being a really good player at both ends. But there were a lot of decision-making issues that he made as part of his time at the program and in, and in college that made people wonder, well, is, is this guy going to be a really good NHL defender? Does he think the game at a high enough level? And I think we've seen now that he's developed into – a really good young NHL defender who has suddenly transformed himself also into a really good defensive defenseman. Um, one of the better ones, in my opinion, in the NHL already. And I think it it really shows that he had a, a great mindset to learn heading into the pro level to, to make those adjustments that were necessary. Um, on the flip side, I'll give you a name like Bodie Wild, uh, another player who was drafted with a boatload of skill, a boatload of potential uh, based on his physical and athletic tools. We saw some very positive development over the course of his OHL career, but as a pro, he's kind of fallen very, very, very flat. And it's because he wasn't able to make those adjustments. And it proved that he wasn't able to think the game at a high enough level to get the best out of those gifts that he was given. Right. And it kind of goes one or two ways, right? I feel like very rarely do we see a player like Logan Mayu who has that sort of raw athletic potential end up being just like a solid, you know, number six defenseman. They're either not in the league or they're a top four guy who really figures it out, right? Um, uh, I just kind of have that, that opinion that those types of players go one way or they go the other. And going back to sort of your quote, yeah, he he does tend to still struggle with that decision-making. I think offensively, um, that definitely improved this year, and that was already alluded to, that some of his um, his decision-making in transition and his decision-making in terms of joining the play and being a little bit more aggressive up ice, I think that did improve this year. I think, I think we saw him be a little bit more reserved playing within London's system. But defensively, I think he still struggles to – sort of apply himself and select the appropriate strategy. And 
I think sometimes he's over aggressive, takes himself out of the play. Sometimes he's not aggressive enough, gets caught flat footed um, for somebody who does have his size reach physicality. You know, he gets burned one on one just a little too much for my liking. Right. And and then we have to ask ourselves, what's what's the reasoning for that? And at the end of the day, it's going to be on him to, to make those adjustments. It's going to be on Montreal's development team and, and their coaches at, at Laval to to bring the best out of him as well. And I do think he's still a very much a long-term project. I've seen a lot on social media, especially from, from Montreal fan base saying, or maybe even having the opinion that he could challenge for a roster spot this year. And I, I, think, that'd be a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I think that'd be a huge mistake. I think this is somebody who, who needs to marinate for a few years, at the AHL level and really get the best out of, out of what he brings to the table. And I, I, you touched on something huge there, right? The development team. I think that's where Adam Nicholas is going to come in. Very, very important with the development of Logan Mayu because he excels at actually helping a lot of players get their their brain sometimes to catch up with what they can do physically. So if if that's something that they can do with Logan Mayu, I think a, a lot of those defensive issues might get smoothed out. He might he might be able to show better gap control, uh, a little bit more reserved in how he attacks. Uh, puck carriers at the blue line. That's one of the things that you mentioned is him getting beat one-on-one. It happens way too often. I think as a result of his gap control, he's just a little bit too ineffective. And then he has to kind of sit back and wait for players to come to him. And if you're doing that at the professional level, uh, you know, if you're getting burnt in junior, you're going to be getting burnt a lot at the professional level. And that's why I said Laval, right? I think repetition is is what he needs. He needs more reps and he needs reps at the pro level where some of these skaters are really going to burn him. And then he's going to learn. He's going to go, you know what? I got to adjust the way I'm doing things because it's no fun. I played defense growing up, man. It's no fun when you get burnt one-on-one, somebody skates around you, goes in and scores because you go to the bench and everyone's looking at you like, Oh man. And if that happens to him a few times at the pro level and he's working with a guy like Adam Nicholas, I think eventually that repetition is going to, you know, it's going to get burned into his memory and then he's going to start I guess utilizing his movement a little bit more efficiently to put himself in a position to actually take advantage of that size that he has. Right. Like I've seen him blow some guys up on entry and, but then the very same game, a different guy will just skate right around him. Like it's nothing. And it it gets frustrating sometimes to watch him. Cause it's like, I know you can do it. You know, you can do it, but can you do it consistently? And I think that's the key getting those reps, getting that consistency, getting that, that repetition in so that he knows where he needs to be and where he needs to go uh, to, to have that success. And I think sheltering his minutes early on as well. I think that's going to be critical. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's somebody that can be just thrown into the fire in a, in a top three or top four role at Laval right away. I, I think if they were smart, I think that they would utilize him on the second power play and have him play third pair, um, kind of really bring him along slowly, get adjust to the to the speed, to the size of these pro-level forwards. Um, and there's going to be mistakes made, but they might not be as magnified playing in that sort of role um, that allow him time to sort of build confidence and, and make those adjustments with the coaches um, without really hurting the team all that much. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. I want to go back a little bit. You you mentioned uh, London's system. 
in the offensive zone, but also in defensive zone. It seems like they played a little bit of a man-to-man system where Logan has been asked to chase around, you know, following one player all the way, rather than maybe a, a zone system where he's more stable, he can use his physique in front of the net. Has that impacted maybe the defensive errors that we have seen this year as well? Yeah, I mean, ultimately that kind of system, and it is one that London employs, sort of that hybrid system, um, it can lend itself to, to errors if not everybody's on the same page, right? Because it, it requires a lot of communication based on what's happening in the defensive zone, right? Um, yes, maybe not quite as much as, say, zone defense, but it does still require a lot of communication based on when players get burned and the system breaks down, right? And I think it does sort of help to explain some of Mayu's tendencies to chase, especially chasing the hit and and the physical components of the game um, where he can take himself out of the play. And I think that explains a lot of those clips that you might see. You'll see quite a bit on, like, if you look on, on Twitter or Instagram uh, for Mayu and people are criticizing his defensive faults, um, a lot of the times you'll see him not near the net front. And then that is because of, of that system. Um, he's not somebody who just stands out in front of the net and plays sort of that old, old school Darian Hatcher role where um, he doesn't leave like a uh, a five foot box radius essentially. Um, so yes, uh, I think that that is also going to point to uh, unnecessary learning curve at the pro level where he's going to be asked to play uh, likely a different style, a different system. Um, that's going to require him to adjust. And I think that he definitely can adjust. Uh, I think that that's sort of the underlying theme of our podcast so far is that, you know, Mayu is, is is such a raw player who has the building blocks to be a really good NHL defender. It's just re- going to require a lot of patience for a variety of different reasons. Um, and, and just something sort of to add, um, I, I do feel like sometimes we we maybe nitpick his game to an extreme based on some of the circumstances as well. I think it's it's one of those situations where we want Mayu to find success, but we also understand what has happened in the line of his development. And maybe we are overly critical of the player. I, I'll give you an example. Um, on my podcast this year for the Hockey News, uh, we had a couple players on this year that – you know, mentioned the fact that um, the OHL players do have sort of like a really large group chat. And one of the things that they were chatting about was, you know, who's the toughest defenseman to play against in the OHL? Um, And consistently, one of the names that was brought up as in the players' opinions, uh, one of the toughest players to play against is Logan Mayu. And I I think that does prove to the the point that he can be a really, really dominating defensive presence when he is applying himself properly. And I think, as was said, it's just about finding that consistency. You mentioned going into Laval and, and, and playing, you know, third pairing minutes, uh, second power play unit, maybe even first after a while and, and move up the ranks in that regard. Um, and looking a little bit at projection and, and expectations for next year, should we be happy if we, he loses a little bit of that offensive output not talent but output in regards to maybe winning some of the defensive output instead yeah i've always thought of that as sort of like a dangerous game when you try to break down a player to improve their faults but in doing so 
you also remove their best talents and the things that they do best, right? So if you ask Logan Miu to really rein things in and, and to just kind of focus on being a defensive player first, he's not going to learn how to be an offensive player at the pro level either, right? Like I, I would much rather say, you know, you play your game. Let's learn how to play aggressively at the pro level using your skill set to produce offense, but also let's work on what we can do defensively to to improve yes. your sort of two-way ability. Because I feel like if you just say, Logan, go out there and hit guys in the defensive end, don't leave this box, are you really developing him? Uh, I think you just need to embrace the fact that he's going to make mistakes. Um, you know, he's going to... He's going to make bad pinches. He's going to make bad passes. He's going to make bad choices with the puck. He's going to make errors on the defensive end. He's a first-year pro defender. Um, and you just have to live with those, and you have to learn from them, and you have to show him through video, and you have to show him through practice sessions, and you have to show him how to improve those decisions and improve selecting better options at that current time. Right. And I, I think the more that he plays and the more that he experiences things at the pro level, he's going to get better. Um, he does have that upside, as I mentioned, but I think the minute you start to try to completely transform him into something he's not, I think you run the risk of completely stripping him down and completely ruining his confidence. And then you end up with nothing. Right. I, I think there are certain components of his game you might ask him to tone down. But if you're doing that, you've also got to make sure that you're putting him on, like, say, the secondary power play unit so that he is getting those reps um, as a more offensively oriented player. Um, it's 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 very tricky. And it's it's going to be a delicate balance that Montreal is going to have to sort of work with him next year to, to improve a lot of uh, parts of his game. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's measurable improvement in the, in the defensive zone that they need to look for, not turn him into, you know, Shea Weber in front of the net, standing there and cross-checking guys and basically playing lacrosse in front of the goal. Like, you you have to be able to capitalize on that offensive skill. Look at the Norris winner this year in the National Hockey League. It was Eric Carlson. Liability in his own zone, but the guy puts the puck in the net. There's value to that, right? And I'm not saying Logan Mayuk is going to be a, a Norris winner. I'm not saying that he's going to be a liability in his own end. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to put up points the way that Eric Carlson can, but that's his his main skill set is, is the offensive abilities. You need to fine-tune the defense a little bit so that the offense can shine, right? You didn't draft him to stand in front of the net and keep guys away from the goaltender. You drafted him because he's got those offensive skills because he's got that shot. It's how do we how do we get you to a point where where those skills can can be prevalent and can be on display really uh, night in and night out. And so I couldn't agree more. They they I, if they put him into a third pair role, it's got to be when, when we're talking about sheltered minutes. I would say try to give him more offensive zone starts to to begin with in the year, right? Get him in that offensive zone, get him the opportunity. Definitely give him those power play minutes. I mean, there's some parallels here when it comes to I, I hear people talk about Lane Hudson. Could Lane Hudson come in and play in the NHL right now? The the answer is yeah. If all he has to do is jump on the ice and play transition and a little bit in the offensive zone, Lane Hudson absolutely you could play him in the NHL right now. It's other areas of his game that he needs to work on. Same thing for Logan Mayu. Could he play in the NHL right now? A lot of Habs fans are bringing that up. Could he crack the roster? My answer is no. But if the answer is all he's got to do is go out and play power play and play in the offensive zone, absolutely he could. He could play in the Habs tomorrow because you're only using him in an area where he's already very good. 
the the issue now is fine tuning the rest of his game so that he can be there without being a liability for you. And uh, again, that's going to take those reps. And I, I, I see him getting the opportunity in Laval to maybe start on that third pair, get some opportunities, get some power play chances, and maybe work his way up the lineup a little bit throughout the course of the year. And then maybe by the end of the year, you've got him in that second pair, maybe even on the top pair at some point, you know, if needs arise, if there are injuries or something, and you get the opportunity to test them out against a little bit better opposition. You get the opportunity for him to find out what it's like when you're keying on the best line on the other team. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a process, right? I think he's going to be there for the entire year. Uh, I don't think, I, I think I want to caution the Habs fans that are talking about the possibility of him cracking the roster. It's not a good idea. It's better for him to be down there getting those reps, having that learning experience and, and being able to fine tune that defensive aspect of his game. The risk if you put him on the on the uh, NHL level or even maybe top pairing in Laval would be that that you might uh, end up with a sort of Eric Gustafsson kind of player um, who is good on on in the offensive end, but you have him out there on the defensive end maybe a couple of minutes a night to to offload the, the big defensive players that you need to be in in that end or have their strength in that end. And I think most of us want Mayu to succeed at NHL level. Uh, at least all three of us want that because we're, we're sitting here talking about a project and a prospect that that is fighting to, to, to achieve his goals and his dreams. I really don't want him to become that kind of one-trick pony. I want him to become the unicorn. Yeah, and, and honestly, no no prospect has ever been hurt by being patient with them. Honestly, it, it nope. doesn't happen, right? But how many players have had their development hurt or ruined by trying to rush them into roles they're just not ready for, right? I, I think, honestly, I, I do believe that maybe would probably best developed if he was left in sort of like a four through six role all year in Laval. Let him really build up confidence, put him in some different roles later in the year and see how he does with it. But for the most part of the year, kind of ease him in. Then next year, again, you upgrade it. You put him into that top pairing role in Laval and maybe in two, three years, he's ready to jump into a role in, in Montreal. With Montreal's farm system and, and some of the depth that they have on the blue line, there's no reason to rush him anyway. Right, you've got some really good young players already on that roster. Um, there's no reason to rush him if if you want him to reach that high end upside, which, in my opinion, is a guy like a, like a Brent Burns. Right, uh, I look at Brent, Brent Burns as somebody who was drafted as a very very raw player. He was a forward um, that was moved to defense. Took him a while to really learn how to play defense um, and. Now we see, you know, Burns uh, obviously maybe has lost a little bit now, but uh, for a while was one of the better offensive defenders in the NHL and was at least adequate in his own end, um, mostly because of his size and some of his physical gifts, right? Um, and I think that's probably the ultimate ceiling for, for Mayu if we're talking about the really best case scenario here. Downside would be, you know, he just doesn't, figure it out and and never really makes the NHL in any sort of uh, legitimate role, right? So uh, you want yeah. him to hit that ceiling. Mm -hmm. You want to be patient with him. You want to to really bring him along slowly, kind of build up his confidence, build uh, up his defensive game by adding pieces to to that uh, strategically over the course of a season. Um, and 
again, no player was hurt by being patient. Yeah, you hear those parallels often with Brent Burns. Another one that I've heard a lot of people bring up, I'm not sure how, how accurate this one is. I, As a Habs fan, I would love it to be accurate, is uh, Victor Hedman. Uh, you hear him get brought up a lot when people are talking about Mayu. And then Sheldon Suri is another one, right? If he is another Sheldon Suri, let's say, because that's that's the, the lowest of the three for sure in terms of, uh, of ceiling. If you're saying one of those three of the ceiling, if he is another Sheldon Suri, there's a lot of value in that to Montreal. You remember those years when they had Sheldon Suri in the power play? That was one of the most dominant power plays in the league. They were fantastic. And the Habs in the last, what, eight, nine years have been abysmal on the power play. It's something that they need to improve. And I think a lot of that is why people are inclined to rushing him to the NHL. They're looking at the Habs over the course of the last three, four years. The power play has been atrocious. And even when they had Shea Weber, it was so one-dimensional in Shea Weber's shots that they just had people camping out there trying to block those passing lanes and just basically watching Weber everywhere he went and trying to clog up those lanes and avoid him getting that big bomb. And he was still able to get a couple through, but because they were so one-dimensional and so bad, and they've been so bad for so long, I think people have this desire to bring them up. And 100%, as Brock said, there, there's never been a player that was hurt by taking your time with them. What you could do is the complete opposite is you could just shoot his confidence forever. If you throw him up in the NHL right away, um, they probably got to put somebody else on waivers as well, just to make a spot for him to be in the NHL right away. And then you might ruin his confidence. And if his confidence goes, you know, it, it, it might not come back and he might be looking for jobs in Europe. Um, he, he, he might be out of the organization in the next three years. If they take their time with them, if they, if they let him get acclimated to the pro game, if they let him find out that, you know, some of those things that he can do in junior just aren't feasible at the pro level on a consistent basis, he's going to adjust and he's going to get the opportunity to figure out where he can, you know, use his skill set uh, to its absolute best. Uh, again, that shot, man, the, the, I, I ranked him at number 12 on, on the list, right? I was the highest out of the staff. The only people who ranked him higher were in the community vote. Um, and for, for me, it's that offensive skill set was too much to pass on. I'm, I'm ranking a lot on upside when I rank these players. And so uh, he fell a little bit for me on this year's list compared to where I had him last year. But that was mostly uh, due to the prospect pool around him getting stronger more than it was him playing badly. That shot is something that we just don't have right now. If he was on the Habs tomorrow, again, if we go back to that Lane Hudson parallel, could he play? Sure. If you've only got him out there in the power play, I guarantee you nobody else on the roster right now can shoot the puck as hard as he can. Uh, and he shoots it pretty damn accurately as well. So he'd be a power play weapon. Uh, absolutely. From day one for the Montreal Canadiens. The problem is everywhere else, he's not quite ready. Uh, given that time in Laval, uh, I, I really think that he could get there in a couple of years. Uh, work with Adam Nicholas. He's going to smooth out some of those errors in his own zone. Uh, he's going to get a little bit smarter with some of those outlet passes and he's going to be a little bit more efficient with how he takes the puck up ice. And, you know, you could be looking at uh, another Brent Burns. Yeah, you have an opportunity to develop him into that. So take your time and and strive for that. Yeah. And just to add um, with me shot, there's such variance there too. He's not just, you brought up Sheldon Surrey earlier and he was sort of like a one trick pony, right? It was let's tee up the one timer and, and, yeah. and yeah. And let's try to blast it through. Right. Uh, like Fulton Reed on the Mighty Ducks. Um, and Mayu has a lot of different weapons within his shooting arsenal, right? He's got that big clapper. He can hit the one-timer, um, but he also has a really good wrist shot. You'll see him sort of snake his mm -hmm. way into the middle of the ice. He jumps up in the play a, a lot, uh, sort of sneaks back door. That wrister is a really big weapon for him too. And a lot of the times uh, as well, when that, slap shot isn't available to him. He'll just throw a little quick wrister, keep it low and, and try to get a flexion or, or try to generate a rebound with it too. So there's a lot of different weapons in that shooting arsenal. And it's why he is, you know, a really good weapon inside the offensive zone. 
Yeah, I saw him not last year, but the year before. I want to say it was against Windsor. He did a little toe drag release at the blue line because he had no lane to take a clapper. He was looking for it and he was kind of double clutching, trying to take it. And he realized he didn't have it. So he just drags it in, takes a snapper and uh, hits the goalie in the mask. Goalie was down for about two full minutes, like trying to recover from that shot. He gets velocity on any kind of release that he wants. It's you're absolutely right. There's a variety to his releases that doesn't exist with some of those other one dimensional shooters. And, you know, again, it's going to make him a great power play weapon. Uh, it, it makes him a great weapon in the offensive zone in general because of the variety to his release. But uh, again, it's just, it's just make sure that you're putting him in a position where he's capable of getting there and then letting that shine. Brock, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, always insightful, always uh, positive. Where can we find you on other occasions? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. Find my work at McKean's Hockey. You can find my work at OHL Prospects. Podcast right now is on break the OHL season is on break. So once OHL season starts back up, my the Hockey News podcast for the OHL will start back up probably early September. For those of you that listen are fortunate enough to have uh, Brock as a teacher, uh, I can only congratulate you. He's a great teacher, at least he was for me, for, for that brief spell in, on, on McKean's Hockey. Max, thank you for joining us. Brock, thank you for joining us. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of Absent Mind.